0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Meara.
1: And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about our favorite spooky settings for books. Ooh, so spooky. Interviewing author Sarah Hollowell and solving a dilemma about displaying books.
0: But first, Bria, what are you reading?
1: Then I talk about something Spooky. You know what we never talk about, and I thought I this would be fun to talk about? I've been reading individual comic issues of a comic, and the graphic novel is not out yet. I, it may be out by the time this comes out, but I've been reading them. I download them on Comixology. That's the app I use. You can also read them if you have like a Kindle, any kind of Kindle, but um, they look better, obviously, on a color Kindle or like an iPad or something. But I've been reading Where Monsters Lie by Kyle Starks, and it's illustrated by Piotr. Kowalski, I'm sure I'm butchering that Polish name. It is like a meta-horror story. Have you heard about this comic, Mallory? No. I heard about it from Sarah Gailey, uh, who was posting about it, and I was like, that sounds like something I'd be interested in, because I love meta-horror. I love it. It's basically, it's like your quintessential horror characters, right? It's the the bad guy who loves puzzles. It's like the old woman who has (laughs) like a... has a son who lives with her and he's really creepy and he's like a murderer. Like you're very like these sort of serial killer, like the, the backwoods hicks, you know, like these quintessential tropey serial killers. They all live in like a cul-de-sac together. And like they live in this like kind and they do puzzles of this, together. Yeah, it's this gated community. No, no, no. Like, you know, he's like a like a guy from Saw who's like, you must solve my puzzle. Um <laughs> And they live in this That's gated so community, sort of cul de sac together. And they—this uh, is kind of like what they do in between when they're not busy running around kidnapping children <laughs> and uh, you know making them do puzzles or chasing oh them God. through the woods with chainsaws. This is about that one is like a clown. One's a guy who wears like a you know like a bag over his head. So it's it's very silly, funny, and it opens with a bunch of kids accidentally going into this area, <laughs> which of course does not end well for the kids. And then there's a guy who was like kind of a a final girl survivor type person. And he figures out what's going on and they go and try to take down these monsters. And stop these, you know, so it's all these like serial killer monster types. It's very fun. It's really, if you love horror and you love meta horror, if you love like Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, those are both actually listed on the um, description of the book. I felt the same way. It's like very... If you're, if you're a horror person who likes to get meta about it, this is definitely for you. Um, I read all four issues. It is such a blast. Had a great time. Laughed out loud. Mallory, there's a part where that puzzle man is making someone do puzzles. I'm just, and just the imagining guy's like, like
0: the most innocuous puzzles. Like you got to put together this puzzle. That's 250 pieces of a kitten and a pile of yarn. Go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's more like, you know, if you don't solve this by the time the clock runs out, then your hand's going to be cut off. And the guy's like, but that's not a puzzle. Like, anyway, it's very, very funny um, and really like pokes fun at horror, which I love horror. And I also love to like make fun of horror at the same time. Uh, so loving this. I loved it. What are you reading, Mallory? I'm also
0: reading something spooky. Uh, this was a highly anticipated book for me. I'm really, really pumped about it. And it is delivering so far. I actually think you would really like this book, Bria. It is Black River Orchard by Chuck Wendig. I'm a big fan of Chuck. He's a friend of the show. And I have been really excited and following this book as he worked on it because it's his spooky Apple book. I'm sorry? Yep. about Spooky Apples. (laughs) Uh, It's a small town in Pennsylvania, and (laughs) it's very much like a Stephen King book in the way that it's about the small town, and you get the point of view of like 10 different characters in this small town and the way that some of them are good and some of them are bad and some of them are kind of both and they're all interacting with... Basically what happens is this... um, down-on-his-luck farmer, and he's a single dad. He's this teenage girl, and they're really struggling. And he, I won't tell you how, but he comes into the possession of these apple tree grafts. And he knows through the way that he got them that these are going to change his life. So he grafts them onto these apple trees and the next year they start to make apples. And anyone who eats these apples, when you first eat them, it tastes like the most delicious thing you've ever tasted. And all of a sudden Mm. you start getting a little stronger. Your skin gets cleared up. You feel better. You feel amazing. But you also become a real piece of shit. (laughs) You get really mean and so some of the people in the town are become like addicted to the apples and the some of the other people in the town are like, what is up with these people with these apples? I don't want to eat them. And so you get it from the point of view of the farmer, his daughter, a couple other people who are not eating the apples that you get it from the point of view of this apple hunter who knows what the apples are and is trying to, is starting to figure out the mystery of where they came from. And there's like a murder mystery. There's also a cult. So creative. It is like, if you like Stephen King and you like that, like evil comes to a small town and you hear about it from a bunch of different perspectives. But the thing that's great about Chuck is that it's much more diverse group of people than a lot of Stephen King books like there's a lot of queer books there's a lot of people of color uh you're getting it from a Mallory you said you said queer books I mean oh my god <laughs> instead of queer people <laughs> <laughs> why do I always do that I don't know. Queer people, but it's just, it's super fucking compelling. And the way it's all like short chapters from these different points of view. So even though it's a big book, it goes by really fast and it's just so fantastic. And it's so autumnal because it's all about apples and apple orchards and spooky things happening. And I just, I love Chuck. I love his books. And this is, I think one of my favorites of his ever. Chuck has a ton of books out and I'm really, really loving this. I'm 60% of the way through and I'm going to, just sit down and finish it tonight because I can't wait to know what happens. I love it. Uh, so that's Black River Orchard by Chuck Wending.
1: Comes out September 25th.
0: All right, so pre order it right now. It comes out real soon. I'm telling you, folks. Ordering
1: it. Ordering it. Mine is Where Monsters Lie by Kyle Starks and illustrated by Piotr Kowalski.
0: we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Courtney writes in to say, Hi, Mallory and Bria. I'm catching up on episodes of Reading Glasses and just got to episode 304 where Mallory says she doesn't like metal bookmarks because they're too heavy or too sharp. I had to share. A friend of mine gifted me a beautiful metal bookmark shaped like a rabbit that I enjoyed using for a while. I had to stop using it when I was flagged at airport security twice <gasps> because the pointy cutout rabbit ears were deemed dangerous. I didn't want to accidentally bring it along on another vacation read and have it confiscated, so it is now just displayed in my bookcase. I love the podcast. Wow. It's definitely helped me expand into new book genres, and I so appreciate it. Man. Weapon or bookmark. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know any better point for my argument than getting it flagged by TSA.
1: TSA agrees with you. No metal bookmarks.
0: You got you got to be careful. They're going to stab you. <laughs> Very scary.
1: Liz writes in and says, I thought I would reach out and ask if you would help spread the word of a local bookshop that needs the Glasser's help. As you may have heard, Montpellier, Vermont, was hit with historic flooding last week and with it, a beloved local bookstore, Bear Pond Books. Oh no. Their basement and first floor were completely flooded. Oh, no. And they need help rebuilding the store and getting back on their feet. This happened just a month before their 50th anniversary party. This is so sad. I've included a link to the fundraiser below, which we, of course, put in our show notes. I don't live there myself, but my sister does. And I I love going to this bookstore whenever I visit. To see this kind of devastation is truly heartbreaking. Oh, we're very sorry. It's Bear Pond Books, if anyone wants to look it up. And it looks like they have a, a donation page. That you can just go to if you want to help them out. That is so sad. Those poor I think books. this actually also poor happened bookstore.
0: recently with a fire to a bookstore in New York City. I'll see if I can dig up that link as well. Uh, gotta save sad. the bookstores, folks.
1: You got to. So sad
0: tess wrote in with a wheelhouse that is women-led fantasy and sci-fi anything sanderson books that have something to say without moralizing and protagonists who are foul-mouthed jerks but are secretly incredibly kind <laughs> love it uh you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and before we talk about spooky settings we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Dipsy. Folks, it's September, which means it's officially the start of cozy season. And what's cozier than a little bit of romance? And what's the best way to try out some romance stories? It's Dipsy! What's Dipsy? It's an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners. And 56% of their stories are voice acted by people of color. They've also got soothing sleep stories and wellness sessions and sexy e-stories that you can read with your eyes. But we're all really here for those sexy stories that you read with your ears. Maybe you have always wanted to try erotica and romance and you have no idea where to start. You have no idea what your wheelhouse is. You have no idea what tropes you like and what you don't. Dipsy is perfect for that. You can search by sexy wheelhouse. There's just so much to choose from. But maybe you're a hardcore romance and erotica reader and you're always looking for new stories. Dipsy's got you covered. You're not going to run out. There's just so many it's so fantastic. And one of our favorite parts is how well-designed the app is. It's super cute. It's super user-friendly. It really is fantastic. Whether you are new to romance or you are a seasoned erotica reader, Dipsy has got you covered. What better time to start than cozy season? Maybe you can warm yourself up. Eh? Eh? <laughs> so for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to com slash glasses. So that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A-Stories.com slash glasses. That's dipseystoriescom slash Glasses. Glasses.
2: Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine, and they hardly ever say bazinga anymore. So after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me.
0: This week, it's finally spooky season, and we're going to talk about our favorite scary settings in books. From creepy forests to unsettling cornfields to deep under the sea, we're going to talk about our favorites, the ones we find the scariest, and which horror settings we need to see more of. Bria, what are some of your favorite settings for a horror novel?
1: Well, space, obviously. Yeah, space is pretty fucking scary no one can hear you scream or like only the people (laughs) on your ship can hear you scream. Um, Maybe aliens can hear you scream. I love a book set in space. I love a horror book set in space I love a horror book set on another planet. I love when people like mix genres. That's always really fun Mm -hmm. for me. and It's hard to do. It's not easy to make a good scary space book. I've read quite a few that I didn't love. But one of my favorites of last year was Dead Silence. And I just thought that that was just amazing. And then I like a surprising one. You know, like I like, obviously like I'm partial to like the South. Like I like when there's things are Southern, Southern Gothic, Texas Gothic. Generally things like that I think are always like fun and surprising. But you know, setting is my doorway. So like any place is interesting like um i read that book fantastic land um which is like a horror novel set in a theme park and i was like this oh. fucking rules like so any place like that is surprising i mean i'm very partial to just interesting places what about you what is your favorite what are some of your favorite settings
0: you know what no? i'm gonna say
1: <laughs> haunted fucking house baby <laughs> I is that die. house full of ghosts
0: that's literally where I any it my book, book that set. takes place in a haunted house uh, yeah. but since I've talked about this so much on the show I'm going to talk about something that I haven't beaten like a dead horse and I will say that for the past few years I've really gravitated towards horror that takes place in New England or mm. really small towns obviously New England is, because that's where I'm from and I've been really homesick the past few years and I loved, I just love New England and the thing about New England is that it has a lot of classic horror elements to it because you know it was the first part of the country that was settled by colonizers and and so it has a lot of you know the that's where the buildings are generally the oldest for example So it has, like, a lot of classic horror is horror that, at least in America, is horror that comes from uh, Europe. And so it has, you know, a lot of those Mm -hmm. set pieces, I like to say, you know, really old cemeteries, cobblestone streets, crumbling stone buildings. Like, it just has a lot of those, like, classic stereotypical set pieces. So it's really fun to read stuff that's set in New England. And small towns, I talked about this earlier uh, in the year, because there's something really creepy about the isolation and how weird traditions can stay alive. It's a really big element of folk horror that I like a lot. Uh, The book I'm reading this week, Black River Orchard by Chuck Wendig, you know, takes place in this small town in Pennsylvania. And one of the scariest things is that like, you know, this cult in this town. And uh, one of the scary things is that the police, the guy who runs the police station, the sheriff, is part of that cult. So, like, mm. if you call for help, you're not going to get it unless you're part of the Apple cult. So, stuff like that, I think, is really creepy.
1: There's also, just want to shout out, to cornfields. You oh. know, we obviously <laughs> both love a cornfield. <laughs> we you learned know, last week.
0: I got to say, the uh, I mean, Sarah is is be- being interviewed for this, this episode. I'm glad we were having her on. But I think What Stocks Among Us is the first cornfield book I've ever read. That's like prominently in a cornfield.
1: Yeah. I mean, probably Clown of the Cornfield was in a cornfield. That's probably the first one I've read, too. But we should make a list of
0: cornfield books.
1: Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun idea.
0: Let's
1: do it. So, those are
0: the ones we love, Bria. What are horror settings that you'd like to see more of besides cornfields?
1: Uh, The future, horror, and science fiction. I feel like they go hand in hand. Like, I feel like we do a lot of horror fantasy because we're like, oh, what about a fluffy dress and some horror? You know, like we go like, (laughs) Fantasy like high elf and horror or something. But like I uh I wanna know what the future holds for us and the scary things that happen. And I think we immediately go when we go the future and horror, we go post apocalyptic, which is scary and I mm-hmm. love. Uh but I, I'm actually reading um a horror post-apocalyptic book right now. I'm interesting in other interested in other horror futures. Let me know. Like I wanna that's something I'd love to see more of. I think it takes a lot of creativity to figure out to do, you know, near future horror sci-fi. I think also just generally, I can't say it enough, great setting. Like, put it in a water park. Put it in, you know, an old abandoned mall. Like, I am there for your weird settings. Uh, and, you know, obviously, I love a small town with a secret. Like, that's something we figured out that I think everyone, us and the Glassers, all love is the small town with a well, secret. Well, I think,
0: I like I said earlier, I think the small town thing is really creepy because it it means that so many more people are in on the horror thing.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, it's like a little bit of, it's like a little conspiratorial and there's something interesting Mm -hmm. about that and also horror works best I think when it is with you know someone has to not know what's going on and you got to go have people who do know what's going on and that kind of like lends itself to that as well
0: yes for sure
1: uh what about you what's your what kind of settings do you want to see more of
0: uh circuses and carnivals absolutely
1: (laughs) there's a lot of those I know but I want more of them
0: Like there was Hide by Kirsten White that came out last year. I, sh- I lo- loved it. I love a good circus or carnival book in general. And making them scary just m- makes them more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I think I-, I agree with you. Unusual settings. We both like setting is your first doorway. Setting is my second doorway. So we're big setting people. And my interest is always piqued by an interesting one. Give me a haunted abandoned mall. Give me more cornfields. <laughs> Haunted car dealership, whatever it is. Love like, it. yes. I'm in. Like, I get very... I will 100% pick up a book, especially if it's a horror book, if it's set in a weird place or a place that I don't normally see horror. So, and, like, even if I don't know anything else about the plot, if you're just like, hey, this is a haunted eye doctors, and I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> shit, I got to read about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we have... I mean, look, I know you never get tired of a haunted house book, but I, I'm not saying there's nothing new to be done in the haunted house genre. There's obviously like a no. lot to be done, but it has to be special for me to pick it up, you know, cause I feel like I've read a lot of them.
0: I mean, heart. I, I also will always pick up a haunted house book. I mean, I got to shut out, um, uh, the September house by, uh, Carissa Orlando, which comes out this month. And that is a haunted house book that did something really, really new. And so I think I can still get surprised by, by haunted house books, but I, I do want more. Give me a haunted yacht. Give me a haunted.
1: Just I... is it must be, it must be completely infested by ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I want a ghost infestation in different areas.
0: <laughs> yes. That's what we want. Haunted ice fishing shack, haunted footlocker. Give it to us. So, Bria, what about seasonal settings, like Mm -hmm. winter Arctic horror, for example? Are you looking for that?
1: Oh, for sure, yes. I think seasonal is super fun. I mean, it's one of the things I think the reason when it gets chilly outside, we're like, oh, we want to read more scary books. But I also love, like, a hot desert summer scary book. Like, that's fun to me. Like, that's surprising. But I think, you know, that was sort of the interesting thing about the rise of fungal horror, right? Because that wasn't necessarily fall it's like what about horror in like a beautiful spring dawn you know like that was like a surprising like a, a moist morning like what, what does that look like like what does what does horror look like in that and like that I think really a lot of people enjoyed that and I think f- coming up with new places to put spooky stuff so it's not necessarily we're not all sipping hot cocoa and wearing sweaters we like could be yeah on a yacht in a bikini <laughs> what's scary about that lots of things lots Many of things actually <laughs> first of all yachts scary good what, are are you, what scary. about you uh, i gotta admit
0: that i'm a basic bitch and i will pick up a book that's a horror book that takes place during autumn or halloween i want it i want pumpkins i want leaves i am a big freak for autumn all i ever want to do is be reading spooky books that take place during the fall uh, last year I read The Halloween Moon by Joseph Fink, and it's a Halloween scary story that takes place on Halloween, and I was in heaven. So, like, yeah, I, I will pick it up. I know it is very basic, and I know it's not breaking any ground, but I want it. I just want to be marinating in autumn at all times.
1: Mallory, are you are you a pumpkin spice latte person?
0: Uh, no, because there's something in pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks that makes my mouth itchy. Oh.
2: Oh.
1: Yikes. Something
0: I'm allergic to in there. Some kind of preservative that makes my face itchy. So mm-hmm. I appreciate them aesthetically, but I cannot enjoy them myself. Yeah. And I think the, the, the syrup they use at Dunkin' Donuts, I'm not allergic to. But maybe that's just because I'm from New England and I have Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> flowing through my veins. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> but there's not a lot of dunks out here, so Do I don't get... Do call them
1: dunks? Is that what you call them? Yeah.
0: Dunks, donkeys...
1: A donkey? So cute. <laughs> all
0: right, Briar, can you think of a book or books that you loved more oh because God. of the setting?
1: I mean, most books, because I feel <laughs> like I read them for the setting. But the first one that came to mind was Ascension that I read last year by oh, Nicholas Bench. Yeah. Who, it all takes place on a mountain that springs up in the middle of the ocean. It was one, It's like such an amazing book. So scary. I was also thinking Road of Bones by Christopher Golden. Oh, you man, know? that book like, so scary. It takes place in the tundra. It's amazing. If you put that same story in a non-isolated, non-freezing area, I I just don't think it would have the same impact. I mean, maybe it would. Christopher Golden's a great writer. Who knows? Uh, But isolation is always helpful. Freezing cold, like you're going to die from the elements is always helpful. But just something about it being like middle of nowhere isolation in the area like I don't really understand. Those are scary things to me. So Ascension is also very cold. So maybe I am. I mean, look. I do hate cold. So maybe that is scary to me. Like, I really, I do not thrive in the cold. I become... I'm the same way. I immediately start to, like, shut down. Like, my body is like, no, I can't. I can't. So maybe things that are cold specifically are scary to me, because those were the first two that I thought of. What about you? Are there ones that you loved because of the setting?
0: Yeah. Uh, I will also talk about a, one of the books I was on my best of from last year is The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckle. Oh, yeah. I loved that book, and it takes place in a small island town in Scotland, and it had, like, such a strong sense of place, and that book is really scary, and I, when I think about it now, I can still picture, like, the, the heather and the hills and the little village, and, like, I always think of, like, good settings books as books that when I go back and think about them, I really picture it. Like, and I can picture like my, like my brain's version of like the little town and the house that they lived in. And like, it had just, I really loved it because of that. And like, I felt like I was standing on the moors and feeling the Scottish breeze in my hair. I don't know, but I really liked it. I
1: agree. It's such a good, it's a really well-written book for setting too.
0: And then another one from this year that is definitely going to be on my top of the year. It's Funeral Songs for Dying Girls by Cherie Dimaline. Love that book. And it takes place in a rundown cemetery. And whenever I think about it, you know, I picture all the little paths through the cemetery and the graves and the mausoleums. And it's a gothy, spooky setting. And I really think it enhanced the book so much and just made me love it because like reading that book to me felt like I'm um, just like a little goth kid taking a walk through the cemetery and like I really loved like the aesthetics of that setting and it just made me I don't know it was like cozy spooky cozy. That's what I'm always looking for no- is spooky nothing
1: cozy. cozier than a Goth kid walking through a cemetery. Oh yeah
0: <laughs> Jeremy took me when when Jeremy and I first started dating, he took me on a lunch through the cemetery one day.
1: oh it was very wow. romantic.
0: Um, wow. But yeah, so it's, I, I that's, I, and I know other glassers feel the same is that I'm always looking for sp- cozy, spooky stuff. And mm-hmm. anything that makes me feel that is, I'm I'm going to want to pick it up. And uh, if you can combine that with a really good plot, like that, that's it for me. That's what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. uh So you can send your thoughts on spooky settings to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author and to Sarah, Sarah Hollowell, whose new YA horror takes place in a scary cornfield, we're going to take a quick break. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom.
2: Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16. Street Fighter 6. Baldur's Gate 3. Starfield. Spider-Man 2. Master Detective Archives Code for Nintendo Switch? No, is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> it's a
0: huge time for video games.
2: You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier.
0: I'm Maddie Myers.
2: And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games.
0: Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. So here we are with author, friend of the show, cornfield enthusiast, Sarah Hollowell. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: So before we get into your amazing book, first off, what are you reading?
3: I am one of those people where I always have like nine books that I'm reading, sometimes with months between picking them up again. But most actively, I have been reading, I'm very late to this, but I've been reading His Majesty's Dragon by uh, I got into kind of a dragon- mode, a, dra- a dragon craving.
0: Uh, <laughs> dragon mode. I'm sitting on piles of stuff. I'm eating men.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh I mean, not inaccurate. But it's like, I finally read <laughs> The Poppy Wars, which... Emotionally ruined me on every single level, and then I was like, "Well, I need more. I need I, the dragon thing was what I latched onto for some reason, even though that's a fairly minor part." Of it. And so then I read like Priory of the Orange Tree because people kept throwing that at me, and then uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm reading His Majesty's Dragon. It's charming. It's just adorable. And then I am attempting to start – I'm putting this as my currently reading because I am going to start reading it. I'm just not – I keep struggling to emotionally prepare myself because I'm going to read (laughs) uh, Into the Light by Mark Oshiro and Mark's books. Oh, yeah. Strap in. (laughs) Yeah. They have a 100% success rate at just – fucking me up
0: ruining your life
3: <laughs> ruining my life so um i i have it just sitting at my bedside staring at me and i'm like it's it's i'm so excited to read it because mark is an incredible writer but i'm also so scared
0: <laughs> it's a good and fun fact takes place in the town that i live in
3: <laughs> oh that's really cool
0: yeah it's 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 a lot but it's amazing but speaking of amazing books it is spooky season has begun. We are so excited. Both Brie and I love this book. Can you tell us about What Stocks Among Us?
3: Yes. So What Stocks Among Us is my, it's actually my first attempt at writing a book that I specifically will call horror. Uh, a Dark and starless Forest, my first book, has has horror elements. And some people call it horror, but I didn't think of it that way when I was writing it. But then with What Stalks Among Us, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write horror.
0: Press the spooky button. Let's go. (laughs)
3: I've had like this weird complex for a really long time about whether or not I'm allowed to call myself a horror writer, even though I've been writing scary stories since I was like 10. Oh, I think of you as a
0: horror writer.
3: Other people do. It's me. It's entirely just something, some weird imposter syndrome. And What Stalks Among Us was kind of my attempt to be like, sarah deal with it you're a (laughs) horror um and it was also my attempt to capture what i really love about summer in indiana a lot of my writing tends to be me trying to be like here's the magic in indiana because there's a lot about indiana that is not
0: good (laughs) (laughs) Um, not magical
3: not great but I was born here and I grew up here and when you get down to like just the level of the landscape and the people here there's obviously still crappy people here because there's crappy people everywhere but I think there's a lot that's really lovely about Indiana and I try to tap into that with my books and what stocks among us is very heavily Indiana summer Coded. (laughs) And it is also very heavily written towards my high school self because I used to go on these like long drives with my best friend in high school. We would just drive down country roads and like make random turns down things we thought looked interesting and stuff. And it started there. And then in What Stocks Among Us, the two best friends who are doing that discover a cornfield that should not be there, that is actually a corn maze, which should extra not be there. (laughs) And because why not they go in this is a mistake things start getting really weird really really fast and it was a very strange book to write but I'm very proud of it (laughs)
0: It is so good. It's going to be on one of my favorite books of the year list. So one thing that I really love about the book is that it's even though it's chock full of spooky stuff, it's also a lot about healing. And so I was wondering if you think reading and watching horror, because I always love reading your tweets about horror movies you're watching, horror books you're reading. Do you think that horror, like taking it in, can be healing?
3: 100%. Yes. Actually, a lot of my like comfort reads or comfort watches are horror, especially when I was really when I was really, really struggling with with depression and anxiety. I still do. But there have been times in my life when it's worse than others. Um, I would watch I would just consume horror like constantly. And the way I always put it was kind of like I it helps me feel something either at all, or just something other than sad, or something other than tired, like it makes me feel scared, but not of my life. (laughs) It (laughs) makes me feel scared of something else. And there's just so many horror things I go back to over and over again, because it can be, it can be distracting in that way where it can scare you, it can be extremely cathartic. It can be just it can it can transport you into like a different place. It can make you feel like, you know what? I think I would know how to handle that situation better than this character would, even if in real life you probably wouldn't.
0: Uh, I'd I never people- go down to a basement. I would burn the house down instead. <laughs>
3: I think people so I people deeply underestimate I think panic responses sometimes when they're talking about what characters are doing in horror stuff um and what they would do in real life but that's fine that's part of the interaction with horror uh but like a lot of my favorite childhood movies even are horror my mom is a huge horror fan so I've been watching horror my whole life I like one of the first actually the, I think one of the very first movies I saw in theaters by myself was a horror movie but I also oh gosh. had to by leave uh uh-uh. I was I was 13 so it's like not like too young well, I'm, I don't know I don't know what's age appropriate I've given up on that <laughs> but I actually had to leave early and go to the payphone because this was 2003 <laughs> I had to go to the payphone and call my mom to pick me up because I was too scared
0: oh my god that's um, so cute
3: The best part about that being that it's a horror movie that is not actually a good horror movie, even. It was Darkness Falls, the one about the tooth fairy.
0: Oh my god, um, I remember
3: this. (laughs) That has, despite the fact that this is not a good movie, has imprinted itself in my mind. So even to this day, I'm a little scared to open my eyes in a dark room when I'm trying to sleep. I'm a little little scared to
0: put a tooth under my
3: pillow. (laughs) (laughs) But... but yeah, like a lot of my comfort stuff is horror. When I when I really need something to just kind of make myself feel like safe, I'll watch like Ghost Ship or Resident oh my Evil God. or I'll read The Ruins. I've read The Ruins so many times that it's just a little wild. But basically, yeah, like I I think horror is honestly one of my more healing genres. Especially like to read, to watch and to write. It's just to me one of the best escapes in a lot of ways while also especially with what stalks among us being a way to deal with some real life stuff by making it weird spooky <laughs> <laughs> by making it fake
0: like life stuff
3: by making it corn monsters
0: <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of so this whole episode is all about spooky settings what are some of your favorite scary settings for books
3: I am, and this is going to probably come up again in in the wheelhouse part, but I love isolation horror. I love anything that is like, here's horror in the Arctic. Here's horror in space. They're in the middle of the ocean. They're on a cruise. They're in an abandoned theme park, an abandoned town. You know, like anything like that where they're just isolated is immediately or in the woods wherever immediately my favorite thing i consume it i will just devour it all the time
0: you want no one to be able to hear you scream
3: basically basically or uh mountain climbing i love mountain stuff
0: horror or anything
3: else honestly Uh, i know you're a fellow
0: dyatlov pass person so
3: i am i am I will, honestly, in any genre, any of those settings, you can probably get me because I'm just obsessed with them. And it's one of those things I haven't spent too much time examining why. (laughs) I just know that I love them. I think there is obviously an inherent spookiness to isolated settings. I think I also just like, I love how the how the character dynamics can be, how they can get really weird when people are isolated. And I also especially like it, I think now, because I think so many people, when they're writing that kind of isolation horror, have people immediately start turning on each other and things like that, which is completely legit. There's lots of extremely good horror where that happens. But I have started also liking seeing when people do something different with that, where they start saying, okay, these people are isolated. But they are they're in it together against the spooky thing in the isolation rather than Oh, I do love that, like I like seeing people come together and like work together and support each other. A lot of the stuff I write tends to be like t- there will be an antagonist, but it'll often still be at the core, like here's these primary like main characters where it's not about the conflict between them. It's about how they support each other through what everything else that's happening. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a huge thing in what stocks among us. I've been telling people it's also a really great friendship story, which I think a lot of people have been hungry for in the po- in more recent years. So, it's something I I love about the book. And so, we're talking about spooky settings. I would love to know what drew you to setting this in a cornfield? Was it more Indiana or did you just really want to set something in a in a maze?
3: It was um it was it was partially Indiana. It was partially a maze. I also, I love corn mazes already. I really, I've gone to a few. One of my, weirdly, there's like not one super, there's never been one super close to where I live, which is weird because I am in Indiana, but we don't have as many corn mazes here as you would think. Uh, I have to drive a little while to get to one sometimes. But one of my formative childhood memories involves being scared to death in a haunted cornfield. Not about got I was like 14 so not even, I mean, that that's a kid It's still childhood i got about four steps in there was someone with a chainsaw i started like i burst into tears
2: <laughs> and they like
3: they like led me out through a, like one like their secret like way to get people out who are freaking out they led me out of the maze i got nowhere in there cuz i i am so i love horror i am so easily scared i
0: am so jumpy i am way. i get you
3: <laughs> i like and like like ha- like haunted houses and stuff i love them theoretically and afterwards i always love them but in the moment i am just powering crying. through <laughs> i'm just yeah, crying I'm the and powering way. through i the last haunted house i went to i spent the like 15 20 minutes my friends were in line leaving and then coming back and then leaving and then coming back not sure if i wanted to go in at all <laughs> And then I spent the whole time clinging to the back of my friend's shirt and just staring at her back and like refusing to look anywhere. But so there's just cornfields, Indiana. That's an immediate association for me. And it's an aesthetic that I love very much. It was (laughs) corn. Just like, I don't know. There's just something about like in the summer driving down Indiana roads. And then obviously you get corn in many parts of the Midwest, but my specific memories being Indiana, just the cornfields being real tall and like waving in the wind. And I don't know, it it makes me feel very at home. It makes me feel very soothed. But also cornfields are very spooky and corn mazes are very spooky. And it just felt like natural to me to write that. I did also just want something that I could very easily mess with and twist around one of the big inspirations for this book was actually the movie Cube 2 Hypercube. Excuse um, me. <laughs> the early 2000s sci-fi horror movie Cube 2 Hypercube was this is not a it, real thing. It is absolutely a real thing. <laughs> um, uh do you do you know the cube series of horror
0: movies this sounds like the, a movie that's in a movie like a movie <laughs> that you see playing on a tv in a sci-fi movie and the, all the kids are like it's cube too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay no and so the first cube is a horror movie about people who are trapped in, in this cube in a cube based in a square room and there's entrances there's like doors on every wall and floor and ceiling and they're trying to find their way out through it but they just keep running into like other people or they i can't remember how the first one goes other cubes just a con it's just a constant series of these rooms and i don't really remember that one very well because i've only seen it once or twice while i've seen cube Two hypercube many times because it used to play on the sci-fi channel a lot when i was a kid in Cube 2 Hypercube, they are once again trapped in a cube room that leads to other cube rooms, but it's infinite, and they keep running into like past versions of or future versions of themselves who are really angry at them because of something they think they did, or future versions of other people who are trapped in the cube or skeletons or dead versions of them, or versions of them that have become cannibals because they went, you know, they went like insane. And it's because they're trapped in a tesseract. (laughs) I am obsessed with Cube 2 Hypercube. I'm not sure I can... I can't call it a good movie, but I love things that mess with time and space and things like that. And so that was very... I I really thought about the corn maze as like my own corn tesseract from Cube 2 Hypercube.
0: That's the new subtitle for (laughs) What Stocks Among Us. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is even better than I, this, I didn't know how you were going to answer this question, but whatever expectations I have, you just blew out of the water.
3: (laughs) Corn is just so it's Indian aesthetic, but to me, it is also fully there's, I have no trouble believing that you could be in a corn maze and find that the corn stalks have moved, you know, that they have created a different pathway or a different room. So to me, very similar to a tesseract created by the military
0: oh my fucking god <laughs> i love it wow so well that <laughs> brings me to my next question which i'm wondering <laughs> um one very interested to see how you're going to answer um, are there any locations you'd like to see more books set in and why is it
2: cubes <laughs>
3: <laughs> it should definitely always always be cubes i i love I, and this is something i have like a list of Wheelhouse stuff, so I knew I'd forget everything I've ever read. But I, I love stuff where a group of people just wake up somewhere and they don't know each other. Maybe they don't even remember who they are. And they're all trying to figure out why they are where they are. They're in some abandoned place or some cube. And they're trying to figure out what's going on while also trying to learn each other's secrets. So yes, more cubes. Um, <laughs> I also... <laughs> I also really want more deep ocean horror. More deep ocean I see horror. a lot of people
0: asking for that in the a lot of glassers a lot of people who listen to the show a ask for more ocean horror and I so I very much co-sign on that. Cuz like
3: I always get usually usually the same two recommendations although I I finally got a different recommendation a couple of months ago when I was perhaps shamefully craving deep space deep sea horror because of some billionaires imploding oh my god um (laughs) so i got i finally got a new recommendation (laughs) i finally got a new recommendation which i'll find on my list because it was pretty good i liked it and but i usually hear into the drowning deep by yes mirror grant slash sean mcguire which is a perfect recommendation that book is incredible everyone should read it i have already read it five or six times (laughs) So it's like, yeah, no, I agree, but I want a new thing. Or I get a book recommended that I maybe just won't name because I hate it. It's extremely fat phobic and really bad. Don't, don't. (laughs) Um, So, but so it's frustrating sometimes that I only get these like two recommendations where it's one that is really bad and I hate it and I get mad when I think about it and one that is great, but I've already read it a hundred times.
0: Well, authors out there, set more things in the ocean because it's scary as fuck down there.
3: I, I did recently get recommended From Below by Darcy Coates,
0: ooh, which I is heard that. a
3: like, it's a spooky, it's this documentary team that's going down to this sunken ship that no one has ever like been down to since it sank. It had been lost and things get weird.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> as they do in the ocean. <laughs>
3: It was, I thought it was really, I thought it was really fun. I think it really scratched the like deep sea horror itch for me, at least. I still need more. I still need more constantly. So I wish people would write more of that. Uh, I also wish people would write more deep space, deep space horror, basically deep something horror.
0: (laughs) (laughs) More deep deep horror.
3: Deep into the sea, high on the mountains, deep in the Arctic, anything like that. But uh, specifically, and this is probably like, A weird one to ask for i want more deep space horror that doesn't really involve like aliens i i'm very picky about aliens in my fiction i especially don't want aliens that are going to talk if they're aliens (sighs) i want it to be like an alien virus (laughs) or something oh i I, like madeline rue's
0: um oh my god why can i not remember i've recommended this book five million times salvaged by madeline rue
3: yes yes I think I read that. I have read a book called Salvaged. I suddenly can't remember the author, but surely that's the same one. If it's a deep space, yes, yes, uh, yeah. Like I, I want other things, or like I want like event horizon type deep space horror or ghosts.
0: Give me some ghosts in space. Space ghosts. Space ghosts. <laughs> Very into that. <laughs> well, so that you were you love deep horror. Yes, Gotta know, what is the rest of your reader wheelhouse?
3: I also love those same isolated settings, but in other genres like thrillers. I'm very into thrillers for this. I also, this is... I have a couple very highly specific ones. One, which is a murder thriller that's about like an adult group of friends who are getting back together to all be together for the first time in like years. And they find out that they don't know each other as well as they used to, or as well as they thought they did. And in the years since they were in college and they were like the tightest group ever, things have changed. Their lives have changed. And perhaps one of them has murdered someone
2: and Ah. now someone
3: else dies anything like that so I read a lot of Ruth Ware basically
0: I was gonna say it's more common than you, than if, you if people are not familiar with thrillers this is actually a pretty common setup and it's, it's awesome it's great
3: it's weirdly it is so much easier to find that very specific trope than it is to find deep sea horror I have read so many books like this, and I love every single one. I will always, anytime I start reading the back of a book, and they're like, six friends from college are doing a bachelorette party in the out. You're like,
0: bye, 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 bye.
3: (laughs) Yes, I'm like, immediately, thank you. Also, uh, similarly, anything where it's like, This group of people are going to film a documentary or record a podcast at a scary place, and it turns out that it's actually scary, and there's actually Mm -hmm. something going on there. Whether or not it's what they expect it to be is a whole other thing, but anything like that. For some reason, the framing of their filming a documentary or recording a podcast always hooks me. I don't know why. I just love it. I will read basically any book set on the Titanic, just because.
0: <laughs> well, it's thematic. It's thematic with all the stuff we're talking about.
3: I will also read anything that, and this is sometimes something where you don't always know until you start reading it, but um, books that are kind of written, like found footage that are like a collection of recordings that, or like transcripts and things like the one i thought of as an example was rules for vanishing by kate alice marshall which is incredible i love found footage horror movies and so i think that's part of why i also love it when do people do it in books you don't see it very often but i love it when they do and then for a, a not horror or thriller, because I promise I do read other things.
0: These are just the things that are
3: most likely. I mean, you don't,
0: you don't have to. I am constantly having to prevent myself from only reading horror, so I get it.
3: <laughs> horror is just very good is the problem. (laughs) correct but I was I was trying to think like what are the things that make me immediately pick up a book and most of them are horror based I do also really like like reincarnation romances where it's people coming back finding each other again and again and again across lifetimes especially if they don't know at first like it's not they they are reincarnated and they're immediately like I must find this person it's more that they just keep getting drawn back together no matter what that's so
0: cute
3: I, I am such a sucker for that. I am such, I'm like, I love horror and everything. I'm also such a sucker for really cheesy stuff, like stuff that is like the, the power of true love or the power of friendship. So like uh, that's, it makes me so happy.
0: (laughs) It makes me cry. That's incredible. That paired with, I want terrifying things in the deep ocean in the deep space is beautiful.
3: (laughs) I feel like someone out there could combine these.
0: And, so, I don't know, maybe maybe that's someone's you.
3: <laughs> I I have this problem where I really – I would love – I like I'm totally a supporter of write what you want to see. I just don't believe in my ability to write anything satisfying for a deep sea or deep space thing because the thing I love in those books tends to be the technical details. I really like when they just like really explain things and go into it. It just makes me happy. And I hate writing like that. <laughs> I hate <laughs> writing like that. I write books. I, I don't even explain my own magic systems.
0: I'm just like Vibes only, baby.
3: It works. <laughs> don't worry about it. It just works. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but I love reading other people's magic systems. I love reading other people's like very specific details. Like that's one of the things I love about like mountain climbing books is they start talking about like crampons and things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the like, Equipment and everything. And I like it a lot. It's very tactile, um, <laughs> but I don't like to write like that. So I can't write it. So someone else needs Yet. to write me my deep space and or deep ocean or both reincarnation romance story. Thank you. I'm y'all. into
0: it. Authors out <laughs> there, please pay attention. So what talks Among Us comes out this week. Where can people buy it? Where can people find you online? Is there any place to get it signed? Are you doing any events?
3: As far as buying it, you can buy it pretty much anywhere books are. I always recommend people go through an indie bookstore if you have a local one, great. If you don't, like we did not for a while in the town I live in, we do now. So if you want to buy it through Ink Drinkers Anonymous in Muncie, Indiana, they do ship. Or my other favorite indie that I like to tout is Viewpoint Books in Columbus. May I, I may have an event coming up with them. It's not 100% confirmed yet, so I don't want to say, but I will likely be there in October for a like spooky Halloween Reads event that they do every year and I'll be signing books there and I am also going to be doing something at ink drinkers but that is also not the date is not confirmed yet so to find out for sure when the dates are confirmed you can find me uh I am my website is just com. I am trying so hard to be better at keeping it updated maybe once these things are confirmed I'll actually put them on the website you can also find me inexplicably still on twitter uh at sarah hollowell and i will probably be there until it dies i'm I, this is
0: just speaking of the titanic we're all going down with the ship basically i that's
3: just where i am i am also on on blue sky but that's obviously still in, invite only but you can find me there same name the only place where my username is not sarah hollowell cuz it's sarah hollowell on tumblr which i don't really use but maybe when twitter dies i'll use it more sarah hollowell on tiktok which i also don't use but may use who knows if you just want to follow me just in case you can the only place where it's different <laughs> is instagram because someone else got to sarah hollowell first on instagram
0: oh, another sarah hollowell <laughs> uh-uh you gotta find she him
3: DM'd, she dm'd me once
0: like that's weird
3: it, w- I, it was. And I I asked Twitter if I should try to bribe her into giving me the username. And she followed me for a little while, but then she unfollowed me. We seem like very different people. She seems nice. She seems like a fine person. Um, we just have very, we're very different people. But she got it first. So there I am SM Hollowell. That is the only one where it is different.
0: It's very bad.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you can find me across all those places. Most frequently, for better or worse, mostly worse on, on Twitter, would not recommend following me on there unless you are prepared for my, like, 30 wrestling tweets every pay-per-view.
0: But I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are in for that, so...
3: <laughs> that's true. So if you like that, I'm here for you, but that's also where I will most likely be, like, actually posting updates about events, other things happening, other places to buy the book if other places appear out of the ether. But for the most part, you can get it pretty much anywhere. I just always definitely push people towards Indies whenever possible, or frankly, your library. Uh, yeah. I love it when people, I I actually just got a notification. I was so excited. I got a notification from my library because I had recommended they get my own book, of course. And I did get a notification last week that they bought it. So Hell I'm yeah. very excited every time someone has sent me a picture of my book in a library I've cried so mm. if you don't if you don't have money to spend or just don't feel like buying it I support you go to your library tell them to get it and I well, will be let's so all make happy. Sarah
0: cry and buy and get the book from the library but I also highly recommend buying it it's going to be on my best of the year Bree and I both really love this book perfect for spooky season Sarah thank you so much for joining us
3: thank you for having me it's been a fun time fun corn time
0: Now, let's solve a bookish problem for one of our listeners. Emlyn asked Hi, Brianne Mallory. I was wondering if you could help with a reader problem that I've been chewing on for a few years at this point. I have a number of books by authors who have transitioned after the book's publication, so the author's dead name is on the cover. What should I do in these scenarios? I really want to respect these authors' identities. Some have been reprinted with the correct name, and I might be able to replace them over time, but in the meantime, they sit on my shelf with the incorrect names. The best solution I can think of is to washi tape over the name and write the author's true name over it which might damage the books in the long term and i was wondering if you had any better ideas so luckily we've got a bunch of author friends of the show who are trans and we reached out to them for advice bria what is our first tip
1: well first of all everyone thought washi tape great idea Um, And isn't the whole thing Is that washi tape won't damage it Like you could do that Or you could do like a blue tape You know that blue tape That you use for painting Like something like that Because that won't won't damage it But the authors said They all really appreciate um, The effort to change the book To their real names That it's a very Very thoughtful person to do this and to write in about this. Also, yeah, the washi tape we're thinking won't damage it. And one author said, even if it does, physically altering the book is a great way to honor the assumed permanence of the author's identity, which is really, I think, a great... Way to put it. It's
0: lovely. So the general message from these authors was that trans authors really appreciate your support of their work. Make sure to support their future books. And if you're going to get their book signs, just be cognizant that some authors might not want to engage with or sign books that feature their old names. But I talked to a uh, someone who works at a publisher, and you know, they've said they said that some authors, when their books get you know reprinted, they do want to change their name, and some don't. So so, Hmm. you know, just be cognizant that everyone feels differently about it, and. just do your best to be respectful. And really the big thing was just support their future books and, and to support them. But as a big washi tape slut, mm-hmm. I support this. There's so much. I cute... didn't know this
1: about you. You're a washi tape uh, slut. Oh my God. What I do have you... so
0: much washi tape.
1: What do you use it for? Journaling, making lists.
0: Honestly, there's a great washi tape place that I love called Washi Station. Go to washistation.com. And uh, they did a big Pride uh, release this year. And there's a bunch of trans like, theme, like, it, it different pieces of art that are in the colors of the trans flag. Oh, cute. That I think it might be kind of fun to, like, buy a roll of that, and that's what you could use to cover it up and, like, write the author's true name on there. That's
1: so cute. I love that idea.
0: That's cute. That would be fun. And we kept everyone's identities a secret, but we also just want to shout out to all the friends of the show that contributed their thoughts and opinions to this part of the the episode. We love you. We support you. And uh, yeah, I, I think, Emlyn, this is just such a great, great, what a great question. And uh, now uh, now you know what to do. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, it's getting chilly. Maybe you need a long sleeve shirt or a sweatshirt You can go over to our Void merch store. Or it's back to school. Maybe you need a new mug. Need some new Ooh. stickers to put on stuff. I know my my other car is a TBR pile. That sticker brings me joy every single day. There's a link in the very show funny. notes for that. And remember, it supports me and Bria's very hungry cats. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. You can do it in the mobile app. It'll take you 30 seconds and will really help grow the show. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks
1: for reading. Thanks for reading.